I'm Therese Bottomley, editor of The Oregonian and Oregon Live. This is Beat Check with The Oregonian. Today, I've invited reporter Jeff Manning and researcher Regina Lawrence from the University of Oregon to the show. Jeff recently reported on the news landscape in Oregon, and Regina was the lead author of a U of O report on the state of local news in Oregon. That report came out late last year. Welcome, Regina and Jeff. Hi, Therese. Good morning. Good morning. Let's dive in. So, Jeff, welcome back to the show. Uh, For starters, I want to ask you about your path to the Oregonian through um, various Oregon newspapers. Uh, sure. Uh, it's a long, it's a long history. Um, I graduated way back when in '81, and for reasons that I still can't quite understand, uh, I've been working in Oregon ever since. Uh, first job in Bend at the Bulletin, second at the Newport News Times, where I worked under a wonderful editor by the name of Steve Beatty. Uh, then I went to a short stint at the Capitol Press in Salem. And then uh, the Business Journal in Portland, uh, where my friend Mike Francis helped me get a job, and uh, and eventually, finally, to the Oregonian um, in uh, 1994. And, and Jeff, uh, those are those are all private ownership or family ownership. Um, yes, they're all, they were all private. Yeah, okay. uh, the news, Newport News Times was corporate owned, but uh, as was the Business Journal, but they were not public. Okay, great. So, Jeff, recently the Medford Mail Tribune uh, announced it would stop printing, and then shortly thereafter announced it would stop publishing altogether. And then after that, you took a deep dive into the landscape for Oregon newspapers, in particular the newspapers in Salem and Eugene, which ended up in joint ownership after the Eugene paper, in particular the Register Guard being long held uh, in family ownership and sort of beloved uh, and uh, award-winning. And so tell me a little bit, take us through your findings in that reporting. Uh, In the Medford situation, uh, it was... Uh, it was a matter of a new owner who came in and he thought he had, you know, sort of world changing ideas that was going to make the Mail Tribune more relevant. Um, uh, as far as I can tell, his ideas were all about video and and audio. He was a radio guy and uh, it was a dismal failure. And he decided he decided he tried to sell it for a while. No, the, he couldn't find a buy, he, buyer that was couldn't find a deal that worked for him so he shut it down and uh, much to the shock of the community um, which was both outraged and alarmed that uh, you know there was their daily paper was gone and uh, so the whole time I was doing that story uh, I kept on hearing that well you know it's bad here uh, but it's not just Medford it's all over the state and uh it soon became apparent that to me to what was already obvious to a whole bunch of Eugene residents and Register Guard alums that this once really good community paper was a shadow of its former self. So I went there and uh, uh, met a lot of 
people who were really angry. And, uh, you know, it's just after the Gannett purchase in 2018, the paper just went into free fall. And uh, I just checked their staff box to see if they've added anyone since my story. They haven't. They got six people in the newsroom. And uh, it's really a sad situation. So, Regina, you and Andrew Davigal uh, uh, put together a report last year assessing Oregon's local news and information ecosystem. And I think you had some help from some doctoral students as well. Um, but it, does any of this surprise you, what Jeff, what Jeff found? Oh, gosh. No, unfortunately, it's not a surprise at all. Um, but Jeff's reporting has been so important to really get the granular detail and how that feels for members of the communities there to lose, essentially lose a robust local news outlet. Uh, so I, I think that Jeff's reporting and our report kind of go hand in hand to show the, the frankly, the worsening situation here in Oregon for local news. And what prompted you to study this in the first place? What was the impetus behind that report? Yeah, the Agora Journalism Center, uh, you know, in the last few years really uh, changed our focus to uh, be focusing in more on the health of local news ecosystems because the numbers uh, across the country are so alarming. And I'm sure you're aware of them and your listeners are probably aware that Newspaper closures uh, continue to happen around the country at a pretty surprising rate. And we wanted to really focus on that because the research on the academic side is increasingly clear about the importance of local news. So local news turns out to be really critical to the civic health of local communities. Everything from rates of voting to um, the amount of government or corporate corruption that can go unchecked to even political polarization, which we know is a, an increasing problem in our society. And there's now some good re research to show that when people have access to, you know, good quality local news, um, polarization doesn't tend to increase as much because when local news goes away, what fills that gap a lot of times is national news that tends to be more polarized and polarizing. So for all those reasons, we really wanted to zoom in here on Oregon and see what is really happening here on the ground and to establish a baseline so that we would know over time, is it getting worse or hopefully is it getting better? And the School of Journalism still draws uh, many, many prospective journalists, right? Absolutely, yes, both at the undergrad and the graduate levels. So the, the concept of journalism still alive and well, the delivery of journalism in a very interesting time of figuring out the revenue model that can sustain healthy newsrooms. I should disclose, you know, we, Jeff and I work for Advanced Local, which owns the Oregonian Oregon Live and uh, several other large news organizations around the country. It is a private company. We have been stable for the past several years, but we did take steps 10 years ago to reduce our home delivery days, and that was a wrenching change because of that daily reader habit. So we publish seven days a week, but we home deliver four days a week. Meantime, we have uh, focused on the digital side, Oregon Live, and we get an average of 8 million unique visitors a month to our website. And that 
you know, this podcast and uh, video and uh, texting and social media, you know, there are many, many, many ways now that we can tell stories and um, provide local journalism that we couldn't do when we simply had words on paper. So there is a digital revolution going on. Uh, some of the funding model, I think many readers and listeners may not understand that print advertising brought in substantial revenue and digital advertising is almost 60% uh, controlled by uh, large tech companies, um, Facebook and Google. And there is even the dollars that flow to local news operations are much smaller than what uh, print advertising delivered. And that is what is behind the shrinking of American uh, newsrooms and, and Oregon newsrooms, as Jeff found. So, Jeff, what was the reaction of readers to your reporting on the Oregon newspapers? Um, it was great. It was really strong and supportive and, you know, very gracious and thankful about the stories that I've written. Um, I'm sure Gannett Management wasn't real thrilled with the story. Uh, it pointed out their miserable stewardship of these papers, which, you know, the fact that Gannett is now the largest owner of papers in the country, it ought to frighten everybody, uh, given their record. Um, so, you know, the Pew, the Pew Research Center uh, recently issued a study uh, since 2008, the number of working journalists in this country has has fallen by 114,000. Um, that's and and the the decline has not slowed down, um, despite the the ability or the uh, achievement of some news organizations to return to stability. Uh, Gannett has not, and uh, they continue to cut. They're, they've um, the Salem Statesman Journal has really declined in numbers in the newsroom. Kitty Piercy, a longtime mayor of Eugene, you know, she admitted that that she was really annoyed at times at the Register Guard because they were right in her face. And now she's like, I didn't realize what we had. I didn't realize what how that benefited the community, and and now I do because we don't have that. And uh, some of the novices out there in the hinterlands trying to start up websites, they feel the same. Uh, and they say that the populations of their town feel the same, that, you know, no one gives a darn about us anymore from the journalism world, and we're suffering for it. So I hope, I hope that sentiment is out there, and I, the general populace feels the same. I, I don't know that they do, but uh, I think there is Regina, a growing awareness. That, Regina, that dovetails with your findings as well, right? Yeah. The, yeah. yeah. Thank you so much, Jeff, because that's like what I wanted to add as well is that we were able to partner with the Oregon Values and Beliefs Center to do a survey of Oregonians about how much attention they say they pay to local news. And what we found was um, kind of heartening in that about two thirds of Oregonians in this pretty large sample said that yes, they do pay at least some attention to local news. So that's a pretty good statistic. Um, also, however, levels of 
levels of trust overall were pretty good. And we see that in national surveys as well, that compared to people's feelings about the national media, their feelings about local media tend to be more positive and more favorable. But we also found indications that people are very frustrated along the lines that you were talking about, Jeff, right? The sense that actual local affairs aren't being covered in any depth. And that, of course, was really felt in the Eugene area with the Register Guard in the ways that you describe in your reporting, that literally sometimes the news hole was being filled by news not from the Eugene area whatsoever. So we definitely picked up on that sense of dissatisfaction among Oregonians across the state. So Jeff, the reason I emphasized on your path to the Oregonian, the ownership of those um, smaller Oregon papers was to provide a bit of contrast to what we're seeing today across America. So tell me the significance of the ownership model for uh, Gannett Gatehouse uh, Register Garden Statesman Journal. And why are people buying newspapers if they don't really want to run news organizations for the benefit of the community? That is a great question. Uh, Gannett, the, the current version of Gannett started as a vehicle launched by a, a New York private equity firm that, I don't know, I don't think they have any background in journalism. They they're they want to make money, and private equity people generally are seen as really tough, really smart, and they know how to turn around an organization. They know how to merge several different organizations into a cohesive whole and flip it. They're like a home flipper. Um, somehow, in some way, the whole Gannett plan morphed. And suddenly they were long-term holders of these newspapers. Plus, they kept on buying them despite miserable financial uh, results. And uh, lo and behold, they're the largest in the country now. And uh, that private equity firm no longer is involved. They've gone independent. Uh, now, going back to my path, which was not exactly setting the world on fire early on, it was the it was the accepted path for journalists, a lot of journalists. You start small, you get better, you get more competent, you move up, and eventually you get to a place where they pay a decent wage and you're surrounded by great experienced talent. You're in a newsroom and it is so fun and so, and the the combined energy of all those journalists really was. It meant something, and I just loved it. And um, for the those kids coming up today, that's a much tougher journey. Um, I don't, you know, they never paid very well, but at least they were there, and they covered their communities, and they needed people like me to cover them. And uh, I don't know if that model really exists today. I I was really interested, Regina, in your. Uh, using the word ecosystem in the title of the report because, um, you know, Jeff is on to something here with the local community news and how stories are broken at a small community level potentially and then are picked up by the mid-sized paper or, you know, Oregon Public Broadcasting and then it captures the attention of the larger paper. And then, you know, we all 
all news feeds news and we build on each other's work. So talk a little bit more about what's lost when you lose news organizations across the state. Yeah, what a great question. Uh, two things I'd say on that. First of all, I agree. I really like the ecosystem metaphor because it does get us thinking about news and information as part of a larger system that supports and sustains health of communities uh, and that it is a system. And so that if some links in that uh, chain, so to speak, get weakened, then that's going to affect the health of the whole system. So I think it's a useful metaphor in that way. You hear the term news deserts. And, yes. Um, what does that really mean in Oregon? What, what are news deserts? Yeah, great question. Um, first of all, we know from great research that Pew Research Center and others have done that in many local news systems, it's the newspapers that actually do the bulk of reporting, right? Actual, difficult, costly, time-consuming reporting on local communities. So especially when newspapers are lost, that really affects the information ecosystem of a community. That flow that you talked about, Therese, is weakened if the key producers in that ecosystem are weakened. Um, what we know here in Oregon is, unfortunately, we've had plenty of losses of newspapers in particular around the state. And so we can really begin to see the effects of that, that there's just, like Jeff was talking about, there's fewer reporters. That means there's just, by definition, less coverage, less intense coverage, um, less surveillance, if you will, but also less ability to connect with communities and publics if journalists are stretched so thin. So I think both of those things get lost, when, when, especially when we lose newspapers, although newspapers aren't the only part of the information ecosystem. They are really critical. Yeah, the model around the country has been interesting where some newspapers have turned into nonprofits. Uh, another model has been billionaires buying newspapers as sort of a, a civic good, uh, much like the arts. Um, and Jeff, I want to come back to you had a second story that was looking at sort of some bright spots on the horizon for Oregon journalism. And some of those same models, either a nonprofit model or a, you know, a deep pocketed benefactor helping uh, start up a local news organization without perhaps some of the legacy costs of delivering a newspaper, printing a newspaper, etc. People may not realize newsprint is the second largest expense after uh, reporters and people uh, for newspapers. So um, we saw the emergence of the Salem Reporter, the Oregon Capital Chronicle, Yahats News, etc. So talk about the bright spots, Jeff, that you uncovered. Um. My former coworker Quentin Smith retired to Yahats, and he, he couldn't he couldn't stay away. He realized that Yahats and the Central Oregon Coast, to some degree, had become a news desert, and he started up this news website almost on a lark. And uh, the the reception from the community had been so has been so strong and so um, you know thankful that he is expanding to the point that he's hiring somebody, which I don't think he ever meant to do, looking for a reporter. And he wants to expand into Walport, the burgeoning metropolis of Walport. And maybe, I mean, I can see him going into Newport, you know, I mean, he's, 
He's a great guy, a good journalist. Uh, there are a lot of bright spots out there. When Medford closed, when the Mail Tribune closed, uh, and everyone in the Rogue Valley was bemoaning the news desert, um, EO Media Group came in and immediately decided, we're going to start up a new newspaper. We're going to print a newspaper. We're going to hire a, a staff of 13 journalists. Uh, you know, I'm sure that is a real challenge, but they too have been welcomed into the community. And by the way, the Grants Pass newspaper also said that we're going to gear up, hire more to, uh, journalists to cover Jackson County. So uh, an unexpected happy ending. Uh, I got to, I really admire the Foresters and the EO Media Group. They basically saved the paper in Bend. And now they've started up in Medford. And uh, I think they've done a great job. And they have purchased several smaller papers from their kind of uh, home base paper of uh, Pendleton and the Astorian. So, yeah, it's been um, very interesting to watch. Uh, again, uh, privately owned, right? Family owned. Family owned and no debt. Yeah. That, that's, that's the secret. Yeah, the, the not being beholden to the shareholders of a public company for a certain amount of profit and not having the debt payments, you know, makes a huge difference. That is why these online startups are, you know, kind of starting fresh. The Yahats News example, to me, uh, sort of it shows a little bit of the flaw of the phrase news deserts. It's really a newsroom desert because the news is still there, as Quentin Smith uh, has discovered suddenly he's got news right and left in this uh, small coastal community of Yahats and his um, his readers are you know thrilled uh, to have a credible source of information so a win-win uh, can I let, let me just add um, they're not all happy endings um, the folks in Oak Ridge started up uh, their own online edition after their weekly failed folded and uh, they're really struggling. They're really struggling to survive. And uh, the guy who's running it is not a journalist. And he admits that uh, we're barely making it. And I don't know how long I can keep this up. Uh, so that was sad to hear. And I really admire them for trying. Um, and uh, just one note about Lane County. Um, in the wake of the decline of the Register Guard, um, believe it or not, there is a tiny little paper out of uh, out of Cresswell that has expanded partially into the Register Guard's territory. They're now in Springfield, and Springfield, I'm told, put out the welcome mat and thrilled to have a newspaper that is covering their town. So I, I kept on pushing uh, the owner, publisher, editor of the place you got to go into Eugene. Are you going to go into Eugene? And he said, I'm not going into Eugene, but I wouldn't be surprised. Who knows what's going to happen? Well, the thirst for journalism is alive and well, um, and that's great to hear. I really appreciate the conversation, Regina. I don't know if there's anything else you want to add about your study or what's next for the journalism school and the research side of things. 
Oh, there's so, boy, we could just keep on having this conversation. I just quickly add a couple of things um, to the bright spots. One is in addition to these kind of digital, often hyper-local startups that Jeff has been talking about, we also know there's these other interesting um, efforts to kind of fill very specific news gaps. So we have organizations like Underscore that really is devoted now to covering Indian country. And then we also have interesting um, efforts like OR360 Media, which is not really trying to frame itself as a traditional news source, but they are trying to offer like ongoing updates through their newsletters, um, through the op-eds and essays that they uh, that they get from uh, sort of you know, policy leaders and academics, et cetera, around the state. So they're also trying to fill that gap. So it's exciting to see, Patrice, you were talking at the beginning about innovations. It's exciting to see innovations in practice that can also help fill the gap. And one of those that I think is really exciting is also the newsroom collaborations. And I know the Oregonian has been part of some of the really important ones that have happened here in our state. For example, the, the excellent... Um, a group project a couple of years ago about the problem of death by suicide that the Oregonian and many other newspapers collaborated on, um, one that the Agora Journalism Center led in our uh, primary season last year with the kind of crowded gubernatorial primaries where we were able to help facilitate dozens of newsrooms around Oregon to, uh, after listening to communities and hearing what they wanted to learn about the candidates, try to provide that in a very efficient way. So Newsroom collaborations, for better or for worse, can help when newsrooms themselves individually are losing resources or don't have the resources they once had. Collaboration seems like a key path forward. And then the final thing, if I may, that I quickly mention is that there's so much energy and effort happening around the country to try to figure out how to bolster local news ecosystems. And we can learn a lot from what's happening around the country. States from New Jersey to California, even our neighbors to the north, the state of Washington recently passed some policies to try to help local news. So one thing we're excited about is a bill that's currently in the Joint Ways and Means Committee, uh, HB 2605, that would provide some funding to Agora and to the uh, Fund for Oregon Rural Journalism, a nonprofit here in Oregon, to try to figure out ways to really bolster local news, like providing a journalism resource center, for example, so that small local newsrooms could get help with mm. um, all the needs that they may not be able to just sort of provide for themselves because of limited resources. So I just think there's a lot of energy around the country that we can tap into and learn from and try to emulate and figure out what will work best here in Oregon. That's great to end on a bright spot. There is so much going on in the journalism space, as you say, uh, collaboration where uh, our company is constantly innovating. There's a lot to learn from national experiments. And at the heart of it, journalism is thriving. It is really the revenue model and the delivery model that will continue to change. So thank you so much for listening to Beat Check with the Oregonian. If you like this show, give us a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts. It really helps people find the show. And tell a friend, help spread the word. As we were talking about, the best way to support our journalism and stories like this one is with a subscription to The Oregonian or Oregon Live. You can do that at OregonLive.com slash pod support. Until next time, this is Beat Check with The Oregonian. <laughs>